Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did I tell you that we relaunched our TV podcast that is now called the Prestige TV Pod? We did it in time for Succession, which is launching in October. But there's so many good shows this fall. We got Yellowstone and Billions and Insecure. We have The Shrink Next Door. Is Mayor of Kingstown going to be good? We're going to be breaking all of it down. The morning show season finale. We are going to be here. Like, we're going to treat it like we treat the NBA playoffs. If there's a really good prestigious TV show, we're breaking it down in this feed. Check it out. The Prestige TV Pod from the Ringer Podcast Network. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. It is a Monday post-Christmas edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And first and foremost, I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas, holiday season, family time, good food, Christmas carols, the whole shebang. And yesterday was great because you had a sports overload with all the NBA action, two Christmas NFL games, which I hope will somehow, someway become a yearly tradition. I mean, basically, the NFL plays every other day now in this COVID world that we live in. So maybe uh, tweak and finagle the schedule to make sure we have football on Christmas Day year after year after year. So I hope everybody enjoyed their holiday. No days off, except for Tuesday, of course. Um, And it's a football Monday, so of course we were going to be here. I'm sure Giant fans woke up on a real good note. You know, after Santa Claus... Drops off a bunch of presents under the Christmas tree. And you would hope that maybe the new year would present opportunities of, of hope and promise and turning over a new leaf. You get the Adam Schefter story, which should not shock anybody because Kim Jones detailed it on this podcast. We have been talking about it now for the last couple of weeks. The Giants are not going to fire Joe Judge. They're not. How you proclaim that and then proceed to get basically what you witnessed down in Philadelphia where, yes, the giant defense and the special teams played hard for a half. Whoop-de-freaking-do. Their quarterback situation, Glenn and Fromm, I don't give a rat's you-know-what who's playing quarterback. Their offense can't move the ball. Barkley does nothing again. 
and they get absolutely steamrolled by the Philadelphia Eagles. All you need to know, the Eagles had everything to play for. They snapped out of it in the first half. And the Giants, I mean, just gave them gift after gift after gift. And listen, the New York football scene from a Giants standpoint, it's all about what's going to happen now in the offseason. You're not learning anything about this team over the final two, three weeks of this year. What is it to learn? They're starting quarterbacks off the street. Their playmakers don't make plays. Their defense is, at best, eh, okay. They're an awful football team, but what makes their situation worse is that where's the light at the end of the tunnel? The two picks you have? One of them took a little bit of a hit with the Chicago Bears winning today. Oh, by the way. What am I fired up about going into this offseason? The idea that the Giants think it's a good idea to bring Joe Judge back and either hire a GM from within or get one of Joe Judge's buddies to go and be the guy? Like, how in the world does that make sense? I feel like, feel like a madman because history is repeating itself. The Giants are going down this road where it's disjointed. Keeping a coach, firing a GM, or keeping a GM, firing a coach, not having them on the same page. That creates dysfunction. That's what you've had a whole lot of for the last nine, ten years. So this story comes out, and I'm a Giant fan, and I watch another beatdown. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm jumping for joy over the idea that Joe Judge is going to be back and that Daniel Jones is going to be back. Oh, whoa, hooray. Let's throw a party. Let's get nuts. It's a real tough situation. This is not breaking news. This is not going to surprise anybody. But it's like, do I need this news today? Can you wait until the end of the year, at the very least? So much for, you know, backing up that proclamation. Giants are a disaster. Absolute disaster. We'll see if a new regime and maybe some new plans changes the overall feel, look of the organization. But as I said last week, find me places around the league going into next year that are in worse shape than the Giants. It's tough to do. That's all I'm going to say. It's very, very tough to do. Now you get to the Jets. And I think it's going to be a conflicting day to kind of gauge happiness level amongst Jet fans. The Jets beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach Wilson, for the most part, played a competent football game. Biggest compliment I could give Zach Wilson today, and it's something that I want to see more of the final two games of the year, and it's something I definitely want to see a lot more of next year. Let Zach Wilson, and trust if you are the player, that your legs can make things happen. He's running around. He's getting to the outside. He's, he had that crazy touchdown run. Like That's encouraging signs of a quarterback that's seeing the field, allowing things to develop, and saying, guess what? I'm an athlete. I can do this. I can do that. It's almost a must now in this modern-day NFL for a quarterback with his legs to be able to make things happen. So seeing Zach Wilson go for over 90-plus yards on the ground today, including a crazy long touchdown run, absolutely terrific. Braxton Berrios, remember I said this, needs to be resigned by the Jets. Now, I'm fantasizing about him in a Dolphin uniform. He strikes me as the perfect, prototypical, New England Patriot, slot receiver, shifty, outstanding special teams player. 
returns a kick for a touchdown today. He's a cool player. I've seen enough now in a Jet uniform over these last couple of weeks where I say, you know what? I want him back next year. So remember I said that. That's the good you got in this game. Michael Carter, when he got carries, I don't understand why at the goal line they don't give Michael Carter the ball, but neither here nor there. He looks like he's going to be a pretty darn good running back in this league. But then you get to the end of the game. The Jets can't finish a drive. The Jets let the Jaguars hang around. Then you have basically this just comedy of errors at the end of the game where I, for one, if I'm a Jet fan, not that this year's draft pick is life-altering, franchise-altering, because it's not. Not the way I see it. But at the end of the game, that point, screw it. Might as well lose. Might as well lose. Lawrence is moving it down the field. It's checked down. It's checked down. Then you have the point where C.J. Mosley drops the interception. It goes right into the hands of the Jaguars. And you're like, wow, this is going to be a uh, Jets-esque type of way to lose a game. Then Trevor Lawrence inexplicably is snapping and spiking the football on third down. Instead of getting two shots and trying to win the game, he's spiking the ball. And then the fourth down play was as bad as can be. Hideous, hideous sequence at the end. It's hideous if you wanted a better draft pick for the Jets. It's hideous from a Jacksonville standpoint. It looks like they're now a shoo-in to be the number one pick this year. We'll see how the last two weeks play out. Can't expect Jacksonville to go and get a win when they have New England and they have Tennessee left on their schedule or Indianapolis, whoever the hell it is. I No, it's Indianapolis. So it's New England, Indy, final two games for Jacksonville. They're not winning either one of those. And the Jets get a win. They get their fourth win of the year. So they double their win total from last year. Whoop the freaking do. They win a game where they had basically 12, 13 guys on the COVID list. The head coach is not there. And the quarterback took, I think, a decent step in the right direction. It's not a jaw-dropping step in the right direction, but it's marginal progress from a quarterback who's got some talent, who needs to be harnessed and needs to be a heck of a lot better for the duration going into next year. So we had all that going on with the football. And then we came off a, a Saturday of hoops. If you were into the basketball on Christmas Day, and I'll tell you, there's nothing I love more than like sprinkling game after game where I got the NBA beaks in order for Christmas. Then I got the NFL beaks in order. It was just like in sports overload as you're opening presents and whatnot. Uh, from a Knicks standpoint, thank heavens the Atlanta Hawks had nobody playing. I mean, that's basically my takeaway from the game. And Kemba Walker gets the triple-double, not the story of the game. The story of the game to me is that Quentin Grimes needs to play more more and more and more. That's what I see. I see a guy who's got length. I see a guy who can hit the outside shot. I see a guy who has impressed when he has been out on the court. I am a gigantic, gigantic fan of his game. And listen, that's what I want to see from a Knicks standpoint. You got guys in COVID protocol. You got some guys getting back. You got others who are trying to get their feet wet from being out of the rotation or out of the lineup, you know. You got somebody who's playing, give him a shot. Talent, length, aggressive. I like seeing young players thrive in Madison Square Garden. Fires me up. Absolutely fires me up. The Knicks needed that game. It was nice because I feel like every time I've watched them on Christmas Day, like the last 10 years, they get smoked. Remember, they got smoked by the Wizards one year. Uh, they lost to, oh, geez, who did they lose to? I think either Milwaukee or, or Philly on a Christmas day a couple of years ago. So to go and get a whole home win against the Hawks, even had F. 
Trey Young chance at the end of the game. So there you go. Good win. Uh, the Lakers are a disaster. <laughs> that was my takeaway watching the Nets and the Lakers. The Lakers are a disaster. And how about my guy, Patty Mills, giving you 34 points. Harden came back, played great. The Lakers basically yelling at each other at the end of the game. Good win for Brooklyn. Not having Kevin Durant, COVID galore, going on the road winning the game. National audience, 22-9 and nine on the year. A lot to like. And I told you guys you're going to love Patty Mills. Bothers me that he's on the Nets. Not going to lie. Because he's always been one of my favorite players. Always have been very much a fan and in love with the game and the style of the San Antonio Spurs. There are certain guys that just scream winning player. He's one of those guys. So, good night. A basketball hoops on Christmas Day. Mixed bag, depending on how you look at it for the New York football locals. And I think the storyline, the headline going into Monday is, get smoked, coach is coming back. Giant football, catch the fever in 2022. All right, Jared Smith's going to join us in a little bit. We'll run around the league. The playoffs are really starting to take shape in the AFC and the NFC. And some voicemails. That's coming up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so before we get to voicemails, as we run around the league week 16, we're doing this pod right before Sunday Night Football. The big winner of Sunday, and I say this without hesitation, the big winner of Sunday, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. What a performance going into New England. Josh Allen was the best player on the field. Josh Allen did not have Gabe Davis. Josh Allen did not have Cole Beasley. He's going up against a defense that's been top three, top five, basically all season long, and he flat out smoked them. Making plays with his legs, using his athleticism, throwing the ball down the field. That, my friends, is the Josh Allen that we saw all of last year and the Josh Allen you saw wildcard weekend and in the divisional round last year. Stud. Absolute stud. And now, Buffalo, the division is theirs. If they take care of Atlanta and they take care of the Jets, the New England Patriots, the best New England can do is go on the road wild card weekend. And with the way the playoff scenarios shake out, New England should be in pretty good shape to get in. But there are avenues, there are pathways, potentially, for the Patriots being on the outside looking in. But we could dare to dream on that. Buffalo deserves all sorts of kudos, all sorts of compliments because they got hit in the mouth. They got embarrassed in that game with the crazy weather conditions. They got a normal day. Allen was slinging it all over the place. And Mac Jones looked like a rookie. Great win. Great day for the Buffalo Bills. Tell you who else had a phenomenal day. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's funny. So Rudy and I were talking about this before the show. I will say it, and I will say it without hesitation. We spend a lot of time talking about the brilliance of Justin Herbert, who is a stud. He's got all the talent in the world. He's got the arm, the mobility. He's got the wow factor. But I'm starting a franchise. And I could have Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. I am taking Joe Burrow. Because I want my quarterback to be a badass. 
I want my quarterback to have swagger. I want my quarterback to have that sort of it factor. I know it's cliche. I know you hear it all the time. Joe Burrow has an it factor about him. In the clutch, leading the team, moxie, swagger. It's just oozing out of him. They got a monumental break today with the Ravens. The Ravens, and Joe and I picked it. We deserve a mulligan on that. It's like we're basically at the first tee at Silver Lake Golf Course, and I shank one uh, onto the second fairway. Can I, can I get the breakfast ball? Can Joe get the breakfast ball? We need it because we had no idea that we were going to be watching Josh Johnson at quarterback. Well, by the way, it was not terrible, but it was not Hunley. It was not Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens, in many ways, look like a beaten football team. Is that the product of what happened with those two-point conversions, not getting them? Is it the byproduct of all the injuries they've had throughout the year? From what I saw today out of Baltimore, I can't envision the Ravens finding a way to win a division title or the postseason. I just think they're completely cooked and they're completely out of gas. Cincinnati's in the driver's seat. But the problem Cincinnati runs into, they play Kansas City next week, who looks like the Kansas City of old. We'll get to that momentarily. And then they play Cleveland the final week of the year. Remember, Cleveland beat Cincinnati. So if the Bengals lose to Kansas City and the Browns beat the Steelers, week 18, Browns-Bengals division on the line, assuming, of course, Baltimore loses to the LA Rams. Think about that for a minute. And that's after Cleveland squandering a golden opportunity to beat the Packers because their coach was clueless and their quarterback was inept. They should have won that game on Saturday night. But a monster, monster game. Five touchdowns for Joe Burrow, who's an absolute beast. The Chiefs. What a whooping against the Steelers. I could not have been more wrong on that game. And the amazing thing about Kansas City, Tyreek Hill was basically a decoy in the game. Travis Kelsey did not play. And they did whatever they wanted offensively. They ran it when they needed to run it. It was Pringle. It was... Uh, Hardman, it was random dude after random dude scoring. Gore, who name was eluding me, basically. He went off, and the Steelers' offense is a disgrace. <laughs> it, it is an absolute disgrace. Their offensive line is a joke. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's 10 zillion years old. And shame on me for thinking the Steelers would compete in this game. I cannot see the Steelers winning the next two. I know it's the NFL. I know wacky things happen. The Steelers... What are you going to do against that Browns front? If the Browns don't have COVID galore throughout their team, the Browns are going to own the line of scrimmage in that game. You would think. You would think. I cannot see the Steelers making the playoffs. Okay. Other takeaways from Sunday. Bucks smoking the Panthers. No surprise there. Classic Brady bounce back. The Panthers and Matt Rule. And I got some messages about this because I was very much a Matt Rule guy when he came out at Baylor. I thought he would have been a great head coach for the New York Giants. I thought the Jets missed the boat in not hiring him a few years ago. It has turned rotten for Matt Rule. And you want to know why the biggest reason it's turned rotten? He don't have a quarterback. He's got dead arm Cam Newton. He's got Sam Darnold. And he gave up assets to go and get Sam Darnold, which looks dumber and dumber and dumber by the moment. Tough to win without a quarterback. I think he will survive. They're paying him too much. They gave him too much control. But that is not what they envisioned in Carolina over his first two years. How about the Texans? Isn't that game in a nutshell, the Chargers to a T? 
They had extra time to prepare. They're coming off that emotional loss against the Chiefs, and they couldn't have been more flat. And I don't want to hear about COVID. Please, I don't want to hear about COVID. I don't want to hear about Mike Williams. I don't want to hear about Austin Eckler. They had enough to go and take down the Houston Texans, and they couldn't stop Rex Burkett. And Herbert did not make throws when he needed to make throws. The Chargers deserve to lose that game. And what's interesting with Houston, Davis Mills, they might have something there. He's probably looked like the most competent quarterback from the rookie class outside of Mac Jones. Look at the numbers. Look at the performance. He's played well. He played really well today against LA. So I'm intrigued by Davis Mills, and we'll see if the Houston Texans continue down that road going into 2022. But now the Chargers, who controlled their own destiny and were basically a play or two away from controlling their own destiny in the division. They say goodbye to that. And now, dicey for them to get into the playoffs. Broncos, Raiders, final two games of the year. Good win for the Raiders, 17-13 over Denver. I mean, listen, the Broncos with Drew Locke at quarterback, they stink. That's what it boils down to. The Raiders stacked the box. They said, we're not going to let you run the ball. We're going to dare Drew Locke to beat you. He couldn't beat them. The Raiders offense does just enough. Raiders at Indy host the Chargers. They probably have to run the table. I do not think that they will. Going to have to run the table. Uh, a couple other games to note. Falcons 20-16 over the Lions. Again, the story of the Lions play hard every week. Rams, big win for them. Minnesota, I mean, talk about a team that just shot themselves in the foot repeatedly throughout the course of the game. That was Minnesota in a nutshell. The Rams were not great. They gave them a couple of gifts. They survived. Rams trending upward over these last few weeks. You got to like that. And then finally, Bears stunning the Seahawks late. Gave them meant absolutely nothing as far as, you know, playoff positioning is concerned. But it was a result that Jet fans were really happy about. And it was a result Giant fans were probably not too happy about. Considering Jets on the Seahawks pick, Giants on the Bears pick. So that's basically the significance of Bears and Seahawks in a nutshell. And you got to figure change is coming uh, for Seattle in this offseason. Massive, massive change got to be coming. All right, voicemail time. In case you're wondering how to get in touch with New York, New York, uh, very simple. The number is 917-382-1151. That's how we do what we do. All right, let's hear them. JJ, it's the Coney Island Cobra. And I'm calling you after another embarrassing, disgrace of a loss by the New York fucking Giants today. Now, here's the thing. Season's over with, and I can care less, but to go to Philly after you're given a, a vote of confidence by your owner that you're safe for next year is a fucking joke, a fucking embarrassment. And to have only 51 yards of passing at one point in the late third quarter by an NFL team between two fucking quarterbacks in today's NFL is a fucking disgrace. This team is a joke of an organization. And John Marathon sugar-coated all the fuck he wants. But he traded his great fan base in 10 years ago when he built that fucking mausoleum MetLife Stadium for this dog shit that we see now. Green fucking house. Get rid of everybody. I don't give a shit to the guy who fucking sweeps. I could care less. They, we need a new team, new blood, everything. Enough of the bullshit. You know, it's the holidays right now, and that's great. I don't want to see anybody lose their job at the holidays. But Joe Judge, Daniel Jones, 
any of the fucking idiots on this fucking team need to be set packing. JJ, I'm punching out. The Coney Island Cobra. Not the holiday Christmas spirit. And I can understand why. That might have been a record for uh, profanity here in a New York, New York call. But listen, I feel the passion. I feel the heat. And I feel the pain if you're a Giant fan. You're not used to this. Unfortunately, the last eight, nine, ten years has kind of gotten you used to it. The tradition of the franchise, I know I just contradicted myself, is not to have this sort of stretch of stench, to have this sort of stretch of losing, incompetent, irrelevant, irrelevant football. It's one thing to be a non-playoff team. It's another thing to have a bad year or two. That can happen. The Giants have had a bad decade. Now, they've won enough where you could say, you know what, as a fan base, I've seen what I've needed to see. I wouldn't look at it that way because, you know what, you're only on this earth once. And if you have nine, ten awful years of football and you're not getting closer, you're getting further and further away, it's time to question everything. And this ownership group is finally being held accountable. And I sense it from the giant fan base. year ago, two years ago, four years ago, it felt like people didn't want to go after Mara. Now I am getting the sense the Giant fan doesn't care about that. Can't blame them. When you consider the moves that have been made, when you consider the product that is on the field, the people that have been hired, drawn a lot of blanks. Crapping out, crapping out, crapping out some more. And how's it getting better next year? This year is over. It's done with. The Giants are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They started two guys today who have no business starting an NFL game. I don't care if they're backups. They're not NFL backups. Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm are not NFL backups. Josh Johnson is an NFL backup. Oh, by the way, he was a giant at one point in time. Maybe you should evaluate your own talent and the people you have within your building. They didn't start an NFL quarterback today. Why is this getting better next year? Running it back with this coach, this quarterback, and hiring a GM from within? That does not sound like a winning solution, if you ask me. Who's next? JJ, Victor, and Staten Island. As a giant season ticket holder, if I have to watch any more of this crap, I, I'm, I'm going to spontaneously combust. Um, that was the division game today. You know, no matter what your records are, when you're playing a division rival, especially when they have something to play for, and you come out in the second half and look like absolute dog shit and get your doors blown off, it's just unacceptable. And you know what? If I've got to listen to this coach one more time in a postgame tell me he needs to watch the tape, I'll tell you, Judge, here's the tape. You suck as a head coach, and you need to go. Now we're better after watching all these damn games the last X amount of weeks. Better wake up and smell the coffee and realize he needs to clean house. This shit is unacceptable, and it's disgusting, and as Giant fans, we've had enough. Later, JJ. Appreciate it, Victor. And what I'm fascinated to see, the Giants have two games left in this regular season. They got Chicago, and then they finish up the year against the football team. You get your doors blown off in the next two. Does that change anything for John Mayer and company? I mean, listen. I don't care what they do in the next two games. My mind is made up. They're bringing in a new GM. 
They should hire that GM from outside the organization, and he should be making the call on the head coach, which more than likely would lead to Joe Judge's dismissal. I know the stench it gives off, and I think this is the fear amongst ownership, that we don't want to be known as the franchise that is just firing coaches after two years, that's full of upheaval, that's full of dysfunction. Well, take that narrative and shove it. Your franchise is a lost ship at sea. You keep the coach next year? Oh, that makes you a model, stable, quality franchise? This coach has done an awful job. I thought they were making progress last year at the end of the first year. I really did. I couldn't have been more wrong. Go luck trying to sell me on progress this year, or to any of the Giant fans for that matter. Giant fan is too small for that. They are much too small for that. And you're hearing it. You're sensing it. Giant fan is that enough. Next. Hey, JJ. What's going on? Peter in Westchester here. What can you say about the Giants? Not, not much to say. I'm just going to save my breath here. Um, but I think we need to start having a serious discussion uh, as, a, as a sports community, as a society, uh, about whether or not Tom Brady put a hex on the Giants after those two Super Bowls. This guy keeps looking younger. Giants keep getting worse. There's got to be something to this, man. All right. Take care. So you're basically suggesting that the Giants, or maybe it was John Mara, made a deal with the devil. Let me get these two wins against Brady and the Patriots. So maybe it was Eli Manning that made the deal with the devil. I don't know. I think, I think John Mara making a deal with the devil makes a little bit more sense because Eli and his time obviously comes to an end because you're a player, you're a quarterback, you're, unless you're Brady, you know, everybody retires at some point. Mara's got to preside over the team for the duration of his life because he's not going to sell it. You want to buy into that voodoo and that conspiracy theory? Well, my advice, Pete, would be look me up in about five years. And we'll see where the Giants are at over the next five years. And it's a lot more of the same than you might be onto something. All right, next. What's good, JJ? This is Ryan from Yorkville. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I just got off a flight back from Florida and saw that pathetic Eagles-Giants game. My God. You know, it's incredible how the Giants became what the Knicks were not too long ago. The sales of an owner. It's completely hanging once without franchise. And it got me thinking, why aren't we boycotting this team? And by we, I mean, you know, sell New York Giants fans like myself. Why aren't we boycotting? Why do we give this team our attention? They have no respect for us as fans. They are repeating the cycle of suck because they are apparently going to keep uh, Daniel Jones and Joe Judge again for next season while hiring a new general manager. It makes no goddamn I just, I cannot give this to my emotional uh, bandwidth. I cannot give them my attention. I cannot be given, I, I can't be bothered to care for them. I've reached my limit. And it's incredible because I used to think after two Super Bowls of Eli Manning over the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots, that this would win me fandom for a lifetime. And it's incredible how John Mara has run that into the fucking ground. I encourage anyone who's a fan of the year myself, stop watching. Spend your weekends during the fall and winter elsewhere. You'll be happier for it. Don't go to their games. And if you do, and you're a PSL owner, if you see John Mara, please throw your one medium soda at him. Thank you. Love the show. 
Well, I appreciate that. And I hope you enjoyed your time down in the Sunshine State uh, as it's going to be 35 degrees in New York basically the rest of the week. I kind of wish I was still down working in the Sunshine State. Look, maybe uh, maybe the Giant Fan can get a large startup for week 18. Maybe that will be your next token of appreciation for Fan Appreciation Day. You go from the medium soda to the large soda. Look, it's impossible to boycott our teams. You say that, it sounds so simplistic. It's impossible to do. We love our teams. They're ingrained in us. But there's an element of apathy that comes to the forefront when you're really, really bad, where it's probably not ruining your Sunday any longer. Where you might be dialed in the red zone, you might be dialed into your fantasy team or your bets. A heck of a lot more than you dialed into the Giant game. And for any Giant fan who is of that ilk, I feel your pain. I can sympathize. I've done it 20 years with the Dolphins, where my priority on Sunday, like what Giant fan who has a fantasy team today preferred the Giants winning over their fantasy team? The answer is none. None. Because of what this Giant game meant, which is absolutely nothing. Yeah, you'd like them to win, but it's not going to keep you up at night. What would keep you up at night is the bigger picture stuff. This is a lost year, a lost decade, and no hope for the future. And the idea of status quo from a good majority of the organization, that's the stuff that just would would drive and drift. That. Not a lost year. That sort of philosophy. That sort of the way of thinking you're okay when in reality, you're really not. All right, we got two to go. Let's hear them. JJ, Justin in Floral Park. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Josh Allen showed me a lot today. A lot of moxie. Got the job done. Went up to Foxborough. Put on a clinic. Now, just take care of business at home against the Falcons and the Jets. And we're once again back-to-back ASD's champs. We'll see what happens. Later, bro. Justin, you should be fired up because nobody impressed me more in Week 16 than Josh Allen. Guys, again, Buffalo desperately needed to win. You lost to New England a couple of weeks ago. You didn't have two of your receivers. You were down an offensive lineman or two. And you performed like that against that Patriot defense. That's eye-opening. That is the sort of performance that is going to sucker you back in for the 2021 season with the Buffalo Bills. Remember, Buffalo went to Kansas City earlier this year and won. Feels like another lifetime ago. And if they end up matching up with the Chiefs again, you mark my words, they're going to get a much different Kansas City team than the one they saw in early to mid-October. Much different looking Kansas City team. But I think you should be back in on the Bills. The Bills are going to win this division. They're going to have a home playoff game. And we'll see if that second half against Tampa, when they were getting their doors blown off, fought back, Hide the game, lost in overtime, is almost like a turning point of the year for them. I said it that day, they showed me something. And they've been good ever since. Good sign for Buffalo moving forward. They'll be a part of the postseason tournament. And assuming they can avoid a massive slip-up, but, you know, there are teams that slip up, just as the LA Chargers. No slip-up, you win a division back-to-back years. And last, and certainly not least, let's hear it. Hey, what's up, John? It's Alex from Stanford. Uh, I know it's Sunday, it's football day, but New York teams are not worth talking about. So I want to talk a little mix. I heard what you said on uh, Simmons' podcast the other day, 
that the Knicks should think about going for Zion. And I, I totally agree. That's what they, they have to do. Uh, like Lillard, I mean, if they give up the world for Lillard, that's freaking, you know, mellow all over again. And that's going to be terrible. I think they got to go for the, the super high ceiling guy. That's the only way you can win in the NBA, really. Uh, I don't know how you get him here. I, I was thinking, is there something you could do with like the Sixers, the Pelicans and the Knicks, like some sort of three-way trade, maybe where Simmons goes to Pelicans, the Knicks gets high on. And I don't know, maybe the Sixers get quickly top in draft picks, maybe Mitchell Robinson, because I, I really don't want to give up RJ, but I think it would be worth giving up RJ to get Zion. Uh, but I don't know. Let me know what you think about that, if that's possible. Sorry, I sound a little out of breath. I'm on a little night run here. All right, have a good one. Go Mets. Go Knicks. I floated the idea out there because Simmons asked me on his pod what would be like the dream get for the Knicks. And it doesn't look like Lillard's happening at this point. Donovan Mitchell's too many years down the road. So I'm thinking, all right, disgruntled superstar. Zion, because of his weight and the fact that he's not playing for New Orleans, he's kind of getting into that category. So my thought was, is the asking price going to be as high because there's not a chance that hell he's going to resign there. It's just not going to happen. And maybe he'd be more inclined to get in better shape if he was playing here in New York City. It's asking a lot. I love that people like hang on every word me throwing that out there saying, oh, JJ actually thinks the Knicks are going to get Zion. I, you, you don't listen if you think that's the case. I'm putting you in fantasy land. That was a fantasy land idea. The idea of buying low on disgruntled Zion because I think New Orleans is in an impossible spot with him moving forward over the next couple of years. Listen, Zion, I wouldn't want him at 400 pounds right now. I'd hope that I'd get him. I'd get his ass into shape and he drops 30 to 40 pounds just by working and doing what he needs to do. And maybe the motivation of playing in New York would get a more chiseled and just a better version of a guy who's got freakish talent, but a whole lot of questions moving forward into those prime years of his career. But listen, sometimes you dare to dream. That was kind of a dare to dream type of scenario. Think about it. All right, we'll have Jared Smith on all the NFL stuff. And we got bowl games to handicap too, uh, if they're playing. Hopefully. COVID doesn't get in the way. We're coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast.
So before we say goodbye, another crazy Sunday in the NFL, trying to figure out what bowl games are going to be played. We know there will be national semifinals on New Year's Eve. I don't think those are getting bagged, but listen, this is a crazy world. This is a crazy time. So we try to navigate it as we go. Jared Smith, I'm going to ask you this right out of the gate. Mm. With a lot of these picks, should you be now waiting until the last possible second or minute to bet these games with all the uncertainty, with all these guys getting scratched left and right? I feel like I don't want to make bets now until Saturday night or Sunday. It's really tough. And if you want to just talk about the bowl games, usually we just have to worry about the opt-outs, which is kind of a it's its own little, you know, navigating the, you know, the, the choppy waters. Now you throw all the COVID situation into the mix. We just had the Sun Bowl get, you know, bang. That was my favorite bet of bowl season with Washington State. Huge motivation angle there. And if you go into the NFL, it seems like it's it's like almost a taxi squad now. And, and that makes things very difficult because if it's a quarterback or if it's a center or a defensive end like the Chargers today, it, it changes the whole dynamic of the game. Obviously, if it's quarterback like the Ravens situation, it changes the entire situation. With the Chargers, the line actually moved towards L.A. a little bit later in the week. But it's just it's so tough. I want to have all of my pieces on the chessboard in place. I want to know who's playing. And then I will be feeling better about submitting some action. Let's get to Sunday. To me, no bigger winner than Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. You agree with that? Going on the road in New England, not having two receivers, down a lineman or two, and to perform like that after what happened a couple weeks ago, no bigger winner than the Buffalo Bills and Allen. Yeah, and how about McKenzie, too? You know, kind of taking the place of the Cole Beasley role, but adding a little bit of dynamic athleticism to it. They were fantastic in all phases of the game. They outgained New England 428 to 288. Um, And listen, Buffalo is a team that if you look at the metrics, the net yards per play, the DVOA, all those fun analytics we like to talk about, they've been at the top of the heat pretty much all season long. They've had some slip-ups. That game against the Bucs was tough. They came back late, couldn't quite get over the hump. Obviously, their first game against New England, the most ridiculous weather conditions of the season. They've had some wins that are wow. They've had some losses. Losses that are stinkers, the one to the Jags is obviously the first one that comes to mind. But push comes to shove, Josh Allen, to me, is still the guy. And there's not a lot of guys in the NFL that can do what he can do with the quarterback position. If he plays like he did today, JJ, the Bills can go very far in this postseason. I agree with that. And I'll tell you a team that's not going very far in this postseason, even if they get there, the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't want to hear about COVID today. Nonsense. Justin Jackson had a monster game. That defense got gashed by Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead. And I like Davis Mills. But my goodness, you got everything to play for. You got extra time to prepare. You can't lose that game going away the way that they did, Smitty. I'm sorry. You cannot lose that game like that. <laughs> Davis Mills actually has been pretty good. I was looking he's at been pretty good. I know. Outside, let's be honest. Outside of Mac Jones, he's probably been the most efficient out of the rookie quarterbacks this year. It's not even close. And actually, Fields is kind of hovering in that average range. And then Lawrence uh, and Wilson are are definitely the laggards in the rookie quarterback department. Um, I I think when you look at this Chargers team, I I don't know what it is about the defense, but that's what Staley was supposed to come in and fix. And I, I know Bosa was out, but they're still very talented on defense. And they've got apparently, you know, at least coming into the season and at least for the early parts of the season, one of the best defensive minds in the NFL at the helm, but they've just, they've really been bad against the run. And when you're bad against the run, it sets up every other part of an offensive game. Cause what's the, especially a team like the Texans 
with a rookie quarterback. You want to establish the run and everything else comes off of that. When Rex Burkhead is averaging seven yards per carry in a National Football League game, that's a problem. And that's a problem that the Chargers have to address because if they are going to be in the playoffs and they're going to face a team like the Chiefs who can do a little bit of everything, I know they don't run the ball that well, or if they're going to face a team like the Bills with a battering ram like Josh Allen in the backfield, or God forbid they face the Titans with Derrick Henry, forget it. They are going to be a very quick exit or Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, depending on how the South shakes out. But it's, it's a bad matchup for the Chargers in January if they can't stop the run. I'm glad that you hit on the Colts, who without Nelson, without Leonard, they go and take down the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona self-inflicted. I mean, they had nobody to blame but themselves. And Tennessee, who had a gutty, gritty win against the 49ers. From a future standpoint, Smitty, who's more appealing to you, the Colts or the Titans? Ooh, that's tough. I'll be honest. The bookmakers we talked to, those of those, there's three teams that they've been kind of clamoring about, you know, late season futures value. Because in the futures market, the hold percentage is so high, it's really hard to capitalize this late in the year because the market's very sharp. But the Colts at around 20, 25 to one, the Titans in that same price point, and then the Niners a little bit further down on the list, maybe 30, 35 to one. Because of those things you talk about, they're tough teams. They play defense well. They run the ball. They don't beat themselves too much, minus maybe some Jimmy G or some Carson Wentz or even some Ryan Tannehill brain farts. But if I had to pick one of those teams right now, I think I would take the Colts. Because I do think Carson Wentz, of the three quarterbacks that I just mentioned, is the one that is has the most upside. Maybe the floor is low. But Carson Wentz made some throws on Saturday night that would make Patrick Mahomes stand up. That back corner end zone throw was super, super impressive. And Frank Reich, all season long, we've talked about this, JJ. If you want to bet the Colts, you got to bet them early because the market always moves in their direction because the Sharps love Frank Reich and this Colts team. It was unfortunate that they were without their best defensive player and some offensive line pieces. That needs to be addressed, the offensive line especially. I think teams will start to key on Jonathan Taylor. That'll make Naheem Hines a little more valuable, maybe in the props market as well. But I think if you have Pittman and you have T.Y. Hilton and you have Carson Wentz not making mistakes, I think that offense is two-dimensional enough to keep teams' defenses off balance to where Taylor and Hines can still be a factor in the backfield. And again, it goes back to Frank Reich. Brable's tremendous, but I think I would give the slight edge to Reich in terms of the coaching nod. NFC, Packers, Buccaneers. Are we willing to put the Rams with those two teams? Are we looking at the Rams closer to San Francisco, Arizona, and Dallas? I haven't watched the Dallas game yet. That's coming up in a little bit. But I can tell you this, Smitty, Arizona is not in a conversation with those two top teams. They're not. No. They're not. No. Not if they don't get Hopkins back. And, you know, I, I think um, Rondell Moore, too. And you the know, coach they- scares the crap out of me. He was terrible yesterday. In a big game, the idea yeah. of Cliff Kingsbury beating either Brady or Aaron Rodgers, I just no don't, I don't trust them. I don't. Well, they were going to have the advantage of having a home game against the wildcard team. You know, now it looks like that's not going to be the case. And so they're going to have to probably go to, I, I don't know where the standings will shake out, but it looks like, and, you know, they haven't played well at home this year, so maybe that's an advantage for them to go on the road. Um, I, I think when it comes to the Bucks and the Packers, I'm definitely willing to put the Cowboys slightly in that tier, maybe not fully in the tier, but maybe half in the tier because of their defense. If you look at the numbers over the last eight weeks or so, the Cowboys arguably have the best defense in the league. And a lot of it's because of Micah Parsons. A lot of it is because of the scheme. You know, they're very balanced defensively, great front seven, and they're and they're very aggressive ball hawking secondary. So they make teams kind of, you know, second thought about, are we going to take this deep shot right now? So I, I think the defense for Dallas is elite. 
I don't know if Dak Prescott is elite. I know he's up there, but he's not up there with Brady and Rodgers. He's definitely a step below those guys. But the defense for the Cowboys will certainly keep them in a lot of these playoff games. It looks like they're going to get a home game early. Maybe they get the two seed if the Bucs slip up again down the stretch. And I, I, I think Dallas is dangerous, but I think the Rams, I don't know, Stafford didn't really show me much today. Um, he can't throw three picks in a playoff game because they're not going to win that game. But I think the Rams defense also has a chance to be elite. But I put the Cowboys defense right now maybe as the best unit in the NFC. We got college football semifinal. And there are cancellations galore with the other bowl games. They're playing the national semifinal. I don't know when, but they're going to play <laughs> it at some point in time. You have Alabama and Georgia as comfortable favorites. Bama basically a two-touchdown favorite against Cincinnati. Georgia basically a seven-and-a-half, eight-point favorite against Michigan. I see the public all over Michigan. I see the public all over Alabama. Does that lead you to think that Cincinnati has a shot? Because, Smitty, I don't care what the metrics say. I don't care what the numbers say. The idea of Cincinnati playing a game within 10 points with Alabama, I just can't see it, dude. I can't no, see it. I, it. And it sounds it sounds crazy at this point. Um, but it's, it's, it's possible. I don't think it's probable. It's possible. I wouldn't. Here's, here's what I wouldn't do. I, I wouldn't lay it with Bama straight up. Like, it, 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 if you think since he keeps it close, I don't have a problem with you betting them on the spread. I just have an issue, and, and maybe it's just because I've been burned by big favorites at, at many points during my betting life, but to to lay two touchdowns in a game of this magnitude is very difficult to do. Um, I, I don't have any plays on either game. I actually have both uh, Cincy and Bama in the futures market. Bama at around 3-1, to one, Cincy at around 18-1. to one. So that's probably a stay away for me. I don't disagree with the public on on Michigan. I like I, I Michigan. Yeah, I, I, I like Michigan in that game. It scares me how public it is, Smitty. Yeah. But Georgia offensively at times is not lighting it up. Michigan can disrupt you on the line of scrimmage defensively. And I'm getting seven and a half or eight points. I think they're yeah. a live team in the game, dude. I really and, do. And if you're going to bet it, you got to bet the money line. It's, it's a low total game, so the points matter. So I understand why why you bet you know, the spread. Seven and a half points and a total of 45, which is for a college game is very low. Um, I, I agree with taking points. But if you're going to bet it, and here's what I would also do. If, if you're going to bet Michigan on the money line, I would roll it over. I would do the money line rollover because it could be one of those situations where you get a lot more value out of betting Michigan money line consecutive weeks than you would betting Michigan straight up in the futures market. And that's the way the futures market's constructed. The whole percentages are really high. So it's really hard to get any value at this stage of the year. So if you like Michigan and you want to take some points, I would recommend betting the money line. And I would, you know, conserve in your brain to, Hey, I'm going to roll it over in the following week uh, to, you know, if you're able to win that bet to whoever they face in the title game, if it's Bama, you're going to get a nice big juicy payout. Um, if it's Cincinnati, then they'll probably be a favorite. But I think Michigan of the two dogs certainly is the more live one. Now, listen, these bowl games and these picks could go out the window between now and New Year's Day. I'm fully <laughs> aware of that. I'm throwing it out there. My favorite one of the non-playoff games, I love Utah against the Oh, State, me dude. too. I love 100%. Utah. I grabbed them at seven. I see it down to six and a half. I think Ohio State couldn't care less about that game. I think Utah will be dialed in. I think they will play hard. They're spunky. I love the Utes. Is there any what what other big bowl games, Smitty, are appealing to you? The other one I'm thinking about, I kind of like Okie State against Notre Dame. Those are the two yeah. that I like right now. Love Utah, 
And I'm leaning towards Okie State against the Irish. It's really a shame that that the Washington State Miami game isn't happening. I, it, it seems like Washington State's going to play someone else in that game. I heard SMU might be a candidate, but I like Washington State so much. And it goes back to the first thing that we look at when we talk about bowl games. There's actually two things that matter more than stats, records, trends, and that's motivation and location. The location of the game certainly matters. Um, so take that into account if there's weather concerns, definitely. But that's normal when it comes to a college football game or any football game. Um, and then obviously the motivation. You're 100% right on Oklahoma State. They've been spunky this year. And I agree on Utah. Kyle Whittingham is, I would say, maybe one of the most underrated coaches in college football. He's been tremendous in the Pac-12. He's got the best ATS record in the Pac-12 over the last, I think, five to ten years or so. Um, and he's been a tremendous coach in his conference. And Ohio State. If you want to talk about opt-outs, I'm assuming either or maybe both Olave and Wilson will opt out of that game. And I just don't see a ton of motivation for Ohio State because they had aspirations to play in the college football playoff. Now they're playing in the Rose Bowl, which sounds great on paper, but it's not the college football playoff. Utah, that is a massive notch in their belt. If they can beat a program like Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, they will be up for that game more so than Ohio State will be. Buddy, final one. When does it get to a point tomorrow night where we stop unloading on the Dolphins? I got them at plus three. <laughs> I also got a little bit more at pick them. I now see Miami is at minus three. Like, the thing is, Smitty, they can't keep making this line any higher because, like, can they? Like, when does it get they to a point where – Do you think it will close north of three? Well, Quan Alexander just got announced out. Um, that's really tough. Um, because I think I think he was the 21st player on the Saints to get named to the COVID list. I'm assuming three is kind of a line in the sand. I got three as well, and I also had a teaser early in the week up to nine. So I, I at some point I'm thinking about coming back on New Orleans just you know for heads per, you know just for the middle. You don't get to have too many middle opportunities in the NFL where it's five, six, seven points. Um, but I don't see how Ian Book keeps this thing close. I mean, listen, I it, you you, you want to make a case for maybe two is a little rattled in the dome. I was gonna say Dolphin I, defense I, has been playing great. It, it and has, and two is playing big games. They the shook off stadium. the cobwebs against Jets, and yes. in the second half of that game, I think the yep. Jets had like thirty yards of offense. They and teams nothing. off the bye have not been good this year. That that's been a I've noticed that they've been under five hundred ATS off the bye. So I give teams a pass in their game off the bye. Like, it's just, it's something that maybe because of the COVID situation, teams are getting even further away from the facility than usual. or And then maybe they're not doing the same kind of prep. I, I don't know. But teams off the bye this year have been down, you know, then more down than usual. So I give the Dolphins a pass for that first half. And really, Tua made one bad mistake that led directly to a touchdown. He threw one pick early in the game. The Jets probably shouldn't have scored more than 10 to 17 points in that game. And the Dolphins' offense, which is not known for scoring a lot of points, put up 31. So I, I certainly think the Dolphins are going to win this game. Um, if it gets north of three, I wouldn't bet it. But if it's under three, I, I think it's fair game for you to still wager on Miami tomorrow. Jared Smith, over picks-wise, he's a regular on this show. Buddy, happy holidays to you and the family. Yes, happy you. New Year and to many winning bets for 2022, <laughs> all right? Happy New Year, buddy. Avoid those COVID landmines. We will do our best. Uh, before we say goodbye, the great Jeff Money. We'll see if he's got some special goodies in store for the Monday night festivities. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is going to be through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Plays so we'll give you also some bowl games. So for Monday, as you know, in the NFL, I'm going with your Miami Dolphins minus the two and a half over the Saints. I'm also going to go with a bowl game that day. I'm going to go with Nevada plus the seven over Western 
Michigan. On Tuesday, I'm going with Houston plus the two and a half over Auburn. And then also going with Minnesota minus the five over West Virginia. On Wednesday in the bowl, I'm going to go with Oklahoma minus the four and a half over Oregon. And finally on Thursday, I'm going to go with Arizona State plus the six and a half over Wisconsin. Again, real cap, uh, for Monday, I'm going with the Dolphins minus the two and a half in the NFL. In the bowl game, I'm going with Nevada plus the seven. Tuesday, going with Houston plus the two and a half and Minnesota minus the five. Wednesday, going with Oklahoma minus the four and a half. And finally on Thursday, going with Arizona State plus the six and a half. And then on Thursday, I'll give you a couple of other uh, bowl games and with our NFL action, most likely. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Fabulous job, Jeff Money. I will be riding your Houston pick. I will be heads up, though, when it comes to the Boomer Sooner Oregon game. That line has moved two points. Public is coming all over hammering Oklahoma every which way. I will take the Oregon Ducks to cover four and a half. So a little heads up action and hopefully a bunch of these bowl games end up being played. Fellas, outstanding work as always. We're not doing a pod on Tuesday night. We will be back Thursday night. Get you ready for week 17 across the board. Joe B, Katz, uh, Art the Caesar, all our usual suspects. Enjoy your week. We'll see what fun is in store. I mean, listen. Late December, the weather stinks. Dreaming of sunny days. And I think for a whole lot of New York sports fans, you're dreaming for a new year. JJ out. Enjoy it. Be good, everybody.